Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Viviana. Good morning, everyone who's tuning in. <laughs> so, Gary, where are you now? You're Irish born, but you, where do you live? Uh, I am Irish born. I come from a small town called Antrim, just outside of Belfast. But uh, these days, Las Vegas in Nevada is my home. So uh, quite a change from my, my small town to the glittering lights of the Las Vegas Strip. But it's, uh, it's fun. It's a fun place to, to live. And the weather is definitely better. <laughs> wow. And how did you start? Okay, I know you're, you're, you're always traveling all over the planet. Uh, we have similar similar paths. In fact, the first time I met you was where were we? Do you remember where we, we were? were uh, well, I don't remember exactly where we were, but I know this ship that we were on. We were on the Seaborne Sun, and this was back in two thousand and two, early two thousand and two. Um, and I remember uh, you were on with a guitarist. I just, I always remember that you were on the guitar because I, I find that it was incredible. Actually, both of us would be on at the same time. And I love that because I got to hear, uh, obviously, your concerts as well. And uh, obviously, we've been, you know, traveling on the high seas um, ever since. Right. Okay. So let's back up a little. So you okay. were born in Ireland. And when did you start the flute? Oh, um, I started actually when I went to uh, my secondary school, my grammar school in Belfast. So for those that are here in the U.S., so basically that is uh, around by the age of 12 um, and basically kind of by fluke because my secondary school didn't teach the guitar. And so I had to pick another instrument and just, uh, I don't know, I ended up veering towards the flute and uh, then kind of had a great uh, first teacher in Colin Fleming, uh, who's the principal flute of the Ulster Orchestra, who was uh, incredibly inspiring and, and just a wonderful teacher and mentor. And, and then also very lucky to be part of a, a great music department um, in the, the school I was at, which was Somalikis College in Belfast. Uh, I think that really helped build a foundation uh, from there to allow me to just, I knew very quickly it's what I wanted to do. Um, I just, you know, I played the flute nonstop all the time, drove my neighbors and my parents crazy. Um, and then obviously, you know, I, because I loved it, I got better and, and then followed the path into music conservatory like uh, most other people. Wow. Okay. And then, so you were at the conservatory and then you graduated. Then what happened? Uh, then real life hit. <laughs> we had to for everybody. Checks, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're in that safety bubble, you know, for about four or five years or whatever it is. For me, it was at the Royal Academy of Music in London, which which I loved. And I loved living in London, you know, especially as a, as a young, well, I guess it was 18, 19, you know, when I first went there. Um, but you definitely live in that bubble um, where you think, you know, the, the you're in that safety of you can just practice all day and, and just focus on the music. And then all of a sudden you're out in the big wide world and the rent man comes asking for your rent check and you're like, I don't know how to pay this. Reality hits. It does. So uh, I think like everyone, you know, just taking on every possible variety of jobs that, that would help pay the bills from, from be it teaching or performing if we were lucky to, you know, to be doing concerts, um, but to any other jobs that would help pay initially. Uh, and then following uh, sort of a, a career path down uh, some orchestral playing. Uh, and then for me, uh, by chance, uh, ending up in the, in the cruise ship world, which was a, a very different path uh, back then. Uh, I think when you and I were first out there doing it, it was there were only maybe 
two or three of us. I think Bettine Clemens was the other one. Um, Bettina, and, and that was it. I, I, I didn't know anybody yeah. else. Who, who else? No, not, not then. Uh, even today, I think there's only maybe six or seven uh, players that are do, you know, doing any sort of serious uh, level. Of course, our good friend Stephen Clark is one of them as well. Um, but it was a very new thing and, and nobody was really doing it. And so I ventured into this by, by chance and then ended up okay. developing a career that's 25 years long now. So you say by chance. Tell us about that chance incident that you... Um, well, really, that started at the Royal Academy because we had a concert secretary who was really responsible for um, navigating all of the um, requests that would come into the Royal Academy for um, musicians to play. And that could be, you know, regular concerts, that could be weddings. Um, and one day I went in and the concert secretary said, I've got the perfect thing for you. This lady is called saying they want uh, classical musicians to come and perform on a cruise ship. And this sounded all terribly glamorous to me, um, and especially because a, a good friend of mine, uh, her mother was a, a pianist who played on cruise ships. So I'd always heard of her going out and traveling the world and doing this. And so uh, we went to like a little soiree and performed a little bit. And this was for the booker. And uh, then the booker said, OK. And so 1995, went out on my very first ship uh, for about a week, did a, a series of, of concerts um, and got hooked. And, and then I kind of did that for about four or five years uh, uh, in conjunction with, you know, orchestral playing and, and other solo concerts. Uh, but then in about 2002, just decided to take the final leap and, and make it a full time uh, career. 95 is when I first did my first cruise ship as well. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. yeah we're gonna, the, the gray hairs are showing in this. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So yeah, and during our pre pre show chat, you were mentioning how you know, the world, the flute world now has like, it's almost like the all possibilities are available now or the there's no glass ceiling anymore. So you mentioned something like that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I mean, certainly, and probably like yourself, when, when we were first coming through college and first growing up, it, it pretty much it was a standard path of, okay, you would go to college and then the, the goal was to try and get a, a job in an orchestra, um, what, whatever position you might get. Um, and those were the, you know, the, the main goals that we would have. Um, I think what has changed dramatically in the last decade, maybe even more, are, are the number of options that are now out there. And I think it's great for young students coming through to realize there are many paths that you can follow, um, especially in performing. You know, I never knew, for example, of the cruise ship industry when, when I first started. Now, now it is, well, <laughs> currently at the moment it is in pause, but let's say pre But the whole world is in pause. The whole world is in pause. <laughs> That's very true. Um, but, you know, the crucial worlds these days is a thriving, um, you know, huge venues. You know, you're walking out and, and playing in some of these theaters that are bigger than concert halls back at home that are on a floating ship. So um, how, how big? Tell us the numbers. I mean, you know, some of the biggest theaters, 15, 1600 seat theaters that you're also doing maybe twice a night. So you're performing to three, four thousand people in an evening, um, which is which is incredible. And uh, so I think, you know, be it cruising or it could be, you know, it was obviously teaching and orchestral playing, but even of 
<clears throat> excuse me, even as we have seen in the last year where people have had to pivot, you know, there are online opportunities. There are, um, you know, it, I think the number of opportunities and, and avenues out there are only limited by your imagination. Um, some, and I'm sure within the next five years, we're going to see things that we don't know about yet because somebody hasn't taken the, the chance yet to go off on their path and, and make that uh, a new industry. So, yeah, I think it's it's an exciting time. There's lots of options, and if you you know, for some reason, don't end up in the in the orchestral world, it's not the end of the world. There are lots of options out there to be performing and and sharing your music with everyone. That's right. That's right. So there are a handful of us cruise ship flutists, right? Yeah. Um, and for those people who don't know what our jobs uh, entail. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about a, a typical day on board a ship and performing? Oh my goodness. Um, okay, so a typical uh, contract or a typical tour, if you want to call it a tour, when you go out on the ship, normally you'll be gone for maybe about a week, something like that. And then during the week that you're on board, um, because every night on a ship, for anybody who's never been on, in their big main theater that we just spoke about, they will have a different uh, show, a different concert that all the guests on board can go and attend. So you will generally perform on one or maybe two of those nights while you're there. So it's kind of like being at this little mini festival type thing because you can't leave. Ship. You've obviously you're sailing there with everybody else, um, and then you will uh, on your given night perform. So normally on those actual evenings that you perform, um, you'll have a rehearsal uh, on the day. Let's say something around about four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, where you'll get together with the band on board, and uh, you don't get you know you don't get days of rehearsals. You maybe get an hour, you get ninety minutes, uh, and you have a very quick rehearsal with the band, who are normally great, and and that's what they do every night. So they're really good at that. Um, and then a couple of hours later, you're on stage and, and you'll perform. And it's normally only a 45 minute concert that you have to do. Um, and then you will, because of the, the theater obviously isn't big enough to let's say hold all of the guests on the ship. So what they do is they will repeat that uh, concert again a couple of hours later. So you'll do, you know, you'll take that show that you did and, and repeat it later. And, and then usually in the bar after that. So, you know. <laughs> Well, just, that, that doesn't change for that doesn't change from land, you know. Yeah, everybody still goes and enjoys a, a social element, be it food and drink after the concert. So, um, but of course, one of the beauties of of the job that we've had the privilege of doing is the travel and you know getting to see parts of the world I would you know never have imagined setting foot on uh, Antarctica. You know, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought I would set foot on Antarctica and, and be there. How many times have you been to Antarctica? I, I've been quite a few times, but I've only set foot once. So there was one trip I took where we were able to get off the ship because uh, for anybody that doesn't know in Antarctica, they are limited by the number of people that are allowed to be on the islands each day. Um, and so I think it's less than 500. So if you're on a larger ship, um, they can only do scenic cruising, so you can't get off. Um, if you're on a smaller uh, ship, then you uh, they'll take you off in small groups and you can go and explore and hang out with the penguins for a little bit and explore some of these uh, science areas that they've set up. Uh, so that I've only had the honor of doing once, but uh, I think you've probably done it a few more times than me. Well, actually, no, I've, I've been to Antarctica five times and I've never wow. set foot though. Oh, you haven't set foot on there? No, oh, I didn't go okay. on the small ones. <laughs> you got to get them on those small, like a seaborne yacht or something like that. A seaborne or down, yeah. Oceana maybe? The Quest? I think Oceana's too big. 
I think it's got to ah, be, yeah, it's got to be under 500. So I think Seaborn is the way to go, I think, for that. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yes. That's the Seaborn. Yeah. Okay. Seaborn Quest. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, Seaborn Quest goes down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My brain's been re why It's slowly coming back. <laughs> uh, but it is, you know, it's it's been a, a fun 20 odd years now doing this. And uh, the, the beauty of it is it's it's very flexible. So it's, you know, to be able to still do other things that you love, you know, I can still come and do concerts here. I can still go and, you know, as you've done, you know, still go off and do the concerto with whatever orchestras elsewhere or studio work or whatever else. It's just another string to your bow um, that, you know, is that extra stream of income as musicians that we all, you know, again, comes back to make sure we're still paying the rent each month as much as we love playing our instruments. So Gary, tell us your favorite part of the world. I get asked all this every time and I wonder how to answer. <laughs> um, I, let me see. Oh, that's a really hard one. You know what? It, it is, I have to be honest to say it is, I do, I miss home sometimes so Ireland is you know when, when you get the weather in Ireland uh, there's really nothing quite like it you know especially um, you, you can you know, tour all over from the north to the south the east to the west um, there are just idyllic parts of Ireland and it's it's an absolutely gorgeous country to travel around if anybody's never been I highly recommend it um, outside of there um, I love French Polynesia uh, never growing up on a beach or near a beach. It's, uh, you know, I love those white sandy beaches and, you know, Bora Bora and, uh, and, and even in Papiete. Um, and then I think further heading south, I think the likes of New Zealand. I, I do love New Zealand and Australia and, and they're, they're great countries, but it's hard to pick one though, because they, they all have their own elements. We were just chatting before, you know, watching Stanley Tucci right now on CNN, you know, I'm missing Italy. I want to go and eat pizza in Naples again. And I, you know, or I want to go to uh, Turkey and, and have the beautiful meze dishes. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love my food. And so that's one of the things I love with the travel as well, to, to just experience that, experience the different cultures. I, I did feel that in New Zealand, it was very similar to Ireland. They're both islands. Yeah. They're smaller, more quaint, and the people are super nice. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, and you know, the uh, New Zealand in particular. I mean, you have, uh, I think, a country that's nearly the size of the UK, but only a fraction of the population. So yes. lots and lots of land for everybody. Yes, that's beautiful. And the sheep. <laughs> Can't forget the sheep, <laughs> which you have in both places too. Uh, yeah, I always get asked that question, and I always say well, it depends on who I'm with. Okay. Yeah. Very true. And, and what's happened in my life is I've, I've always, because it doesn't matter where we live. So I, for a while there, I was based out of Tahiti because I was constantly just performing there. And I, for three years, I was in Tahiti. A couple of years, I was in Budapest. I would pick places, Bali or Istanbul or wherever. And I would just say, that's my home base. <laughs> or Buenos yeah. Aires, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I wondered if you did anything like that or have you always just stayed in uh, Las Vegas? Uh, no, I, I have, you know, again, uh, more so before I was married, because, you know, now we're pretty permanently based here in Las Vegas. Um, but prior to that, yeah, I would, you know, I'd be happy to, to base myself wherever for a particular uh, season or um, you find by default that you are because, you know, again, you might 
you know, a Pacific cruise company, for example, say, hey, we want you to travel down to Australia and we're going to do a cruise around Australia. And then once another, then another cruise line finds out, oh, you're already in Australia and I don't have to pay to fly you down there. A bit like building a tour and next thing they add something on. And then all of a sudden you discover you're spending three or four months in that part of the world um, and, and getting to explore it. And, it. and it's funny you mentioned Tahiti as well, because a, a couple, uh, the year before COVID happened, um, I was literally commuting between Auckland and Papiete on, on a weekly basis. I was kind of flying up and back and, and joining one ship, sailing down, flying back up again. So the, uh, you knew when it was getting bad, when the, you know, the check-in staff at the Intercontinental Hotel in Papiete got to know you by name <laughs> because you were there so much. So, yeah. uh, but again, just amazing experiences to do that. And as a result, you know, getting to meet lots of different flute players too. Uh, from mm -hmm. around the world, you know, be, be it in all these different countries if they happen to be there. Um, and so, and, and I know we've, we've met up a couple of times in a few different places as well. When, you, when you're in port, it's, it's one of the beauties of the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, also, you mentioned going to Africa because you, we were talking about uh, how, oh, uh, being disconnected from all the oh. stuff and, and that's what you enjoyed about being in Africa. Can you tell us a little more about your African trip? Oh my my well my African trip was nothing to do with cruise ships. Uh, that was uh, our honeymoon. So my wife Claudia and I, we uh, when we got married a few years ago, we we because uh, she also worked on cruise ships. So it's like where do we go for a honeymoon that like somewhere neither us neither of us have been. You know, let's try and pick somewhere really unique. So um, neither of us have been on safari before. So we we packed the bags and and spent sort of three weeks touring around South Africa and and then going up to uh, Zimbabwe. Uh, for the safari. And, and one of the things I loved was being able to just disconnect. No Wi-Fi, no connections. You just had to really live in the moment, which is which is a hard thing to do these days because we've got, you know, so many devices and we've got Facebook and Instagram and, and then everybody's coming at you with all these different messages. And just to be able to switch off um, and enjoy the nature was absolutely beautiful. And I know you do that because I know you've got a cabin in Big Sur and just that opportunity to get away as well. And it kind of reminded me too of of actually being when I was a student uh, spending summers in Banff, you know, because again, back in the 90s, you would, there was no internet, you know, there, there was nothing to distract you. So you, you got up in the morning, you went to your cabin, you, you practiced and rehearsed all day, and you did a concert at night and did the same thing day after day for, for two or three months. It allowed us to super uber practice, uh, focus on practice. When were yeah. you at Banff? Because I was at Banff for three summers as well in the 90s somewhere. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah. I was there. Oh, my goodness. Um, hold on. When was I at the Academy? 92, 91 to 95. So it must have been, it must have been around, yeah, 94, 95, somewhere around there. Uh, I, I think that's, I think that's when it was. I think I may have been there 92, 93. Just before. Yeah. Just before. If, I, if I remember correctly, I think it was Samuel Byron was teaching there at the time. Uh, no, I was there with Carol Winsense. Oh, okay. Um, but I know like they had the classes going on and I was there for like a, a residency for a couple of months who so got to take in a lot of that and the other classes as well. And I mean, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful. if you want to be hide away for, for a few weeks or a month or something. Yeah, because I do remember that was one of the fun things. Yeah, I remember uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Soon. Um, Jacques Soon. Jacques Soon, sorry, my name, sorry. Jacques or Soon. Jeff Zook. 
No, and, and that's why I was going to go Jackson. I remember, I think he'd been there like the year before or two years before because they'd said he'd come out there to, to really prepare for when he was applying to Boston and things like that for the orchestra and just to have that time away to, to prepare for all of that. So, but it's a, it's a beautiful spot. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I just didn't realize we had that in common as well. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, a favorite airport? Do you have a favorite airport? Uh, private ones? <laughs> Whatever. Like, they, you know, the, the private ones are nice if you ever get the luxury of doing those, but not very often. Um, favorite airport? I, I think... Uh, honestly, my my own home airport here in Vegas is nice. I, I love airports, again, because we deal with them on a regular basis. I love airports that I can get through very quickly. Um, you know, some of the bigger uh, international airports, you know, where it takes hours, you know, to get through security and this and that and, and the other. Um, but then I'm sure, you know, you know, like Singapore airport is incredible because it, it has a whole you know, resort basically inside Butterf it if you've got a lot of butterfly museum and sing that's see that's my favorite airport because you've got a massage chair at every step <laughs> and or massage services everywhere and then the butterfly museum, a theater, I mean it's a it's a theme park. It is. It is. It's a theme park in itself, absolutely. <laughs> it's a destination. <laughs> And yeah, if you, I mean, if uh, what Tom Hanks was stuck in, you're like Tom Hanks stuck in Terminal, uh, Singapore Airport would be the place to be. That's right. Well, and another yeah. one that, that I love is Bora Bora Airport. Have you been to that one? Or Oh, my goodness. Yeah, where you take the, the water taxi and you literally just pull up and then get on the plane. And it's like the one plane a day that comes in or something. Yeah. Uh, Fakarawa. Have you been to that yeah, airport? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are epic. I mean, yeah. beautiful. You just like get off the reef and then hop on your plane. I mean, it's just surreal that it's an airport, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Uh, do you have any interesting travel stories that you like to, that you might want to share with us? Um, travel story. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily very interesting. It's, it's more a case, you know, uh, the, the, the cruise ship world has been, you know, you travel obviously a, a lot, um, you know, crisscrossing time zones and, and, you know, one week you could be in Sydney and then the next year in back in the US and the week after you're, you're suddenly in Europe. You know, I, I remember posting some stuff early on, you know, realizing you've like, you know, breakfast on one continent, lunch on another and dinner on another. Um, but I, I, you know, travel wise, um, I, I think it's more a case of, you know, the, the flexibility of being in the cruise ship world where you literally have to be able to travel and perform at short notice. You know, mm -hmm. things like suddenly you're sitting at home and you get a call and you're on a plane within 12 hours to go and fly to somewhere to, to join a ship or you fly from London all the way to Sydney and, you know, you walk up to the gangway and all you can think of right now is great. Uh, my bed is coming. I can, I can sleep. And you meet the cruise director and they say, Hey, thank goodness you're here. You're on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you don't even get to go to your cabin having set, been on a plane for 24 hours. They whisk you off to the theater. You, you, you pull out the flute and, and do a rehearsal, uh, maybe do a quick change and then, uh, you know, do the, do the show immediately. So, um, you know, th those are some of the, 
sometimes stressful, but, but fun as well, you know, uh, things that can happen when you're out there. I always tell everybody that I'm, I'm like a doctor. I'm always on call. So I never know if I'm going to be here tomorrow or not. <laughs> well, likewise, you, yeah. And likewise, even, you know, I was thinking just the other day, you know, even when you're on the ship, for example, you know, and, and yeah, that's one thing people should realize when you're just like you said, you're on call. Like, so even if you're not performing on a given night, you could be, you know, at a moment's notice, because, you know, you could be sitting having, you know, dinner and you've had a few glasses of wine and something like that. And then, you know, but maybe the weather's bad, for example, and the, the ship is rocking around and um, maybe the production cast with all the, you know, the incredible dancers were supposed to be on that night. And they decide that, no, 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 it's, it's too rough. You know, we can't take any risks on the dancers. They, if they fall and, and, and hurt themselves, it's totally understandable, but it's not too rough for the flute player. So let's go and call them up and, and you know, and, and next thing you've got the major d coming over tapping in the shoulder saying uh, uh, yes mr about you won't be having dessert because you're needed in the theater right away and, you know so definitely uh, be prepared to be on call at all times that's for sure how funny <laughs> always the flute player they can they oh. always, that's always the backup <laughs> plan the flute player <laughs> Yeah, the flute player or the comedian or, or anybody that's not, you know, not risking themselves uh, with injury. I'm not doing any, you know, flips or leaps or anything like that across the stage. So uh, I don't really have to worry about it. But I have done, I mean, I've definitely done, uh, and I'm sure you've done the same thing too. I've definitely done concerts and some pretty bad weather up there. I, you know, I remember years ago on, on Saga Cruise Lines, um, and I was on for a uh, it was a Christmas New Year's concert. And uh, I mean, the, the ship, it, it was like this, you know, I mean, and I've, I remember saying beforehand, you know, are we even really going on? I mean, this doesn't seem uh, safe at all. I said, no, 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 you know, the show must always go on in this type of thing. And, and, and I remember going on stage and I'm just like <laughs> barely able to keep my own balance. And then I think the ship just got hit by like a rogue wave uh, at one point and the whole thing just went, you know, I heard behind me, I heard the drummer, you know, <laughs> collapsing and the drums falling over the kit. The, the poor pianist was like, had his hands out, hopefully stopping the piano from rolling, even though it was locked, you know, from rolling anywhere. And just looking at an audience because they were like freestanding chairs and the chair, just everybody falling like dominoes, you know, and, uh, you know the cruise director running out and, and not wanting to stop the show it's like no 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 no, keep going keep going. like what do you mean keep going my band have left they've all walked off the stage your audience are all on the floor i think we need some medicals out here we'll, we'll reschedule the show you know which we did for a few nights later but yeah it's it's fun it's it's a lot of fun and and you, you know uh, definitely a little bit a little bit out of the norm from uh let's say performing brahms one with the symphony orchestra well, imagine that whole scenario that you just spoke of on high heels. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I take so, my hat off to you, Vivian. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. Well, we both started off very uber classical. You went to the Royal College of Music. I went to Juilliard. And my first uh, cruise ship dates, I was a classical guitar duo on Cunard playing the pre-dinner recital, you know, very posh and very, very civilized. And then I saw that the main stage, you know, was where all the action was and it was seemed more fun and you got better billing, you got better money. How did you transition? 
into um, becoming the artist, you know, on the main stage. It's funny you say that. It's funny. Well, it's funny you say Kunar because that's probably exactly the same. So yeah. So my first few lines, uh, Fred Olsen cruise lines, which are great, and then Cunard and and Seaborn in the early days, where yes, we were going on and doing just a uh, with a pianist or whatever or a guitarist and doing the, the strict classical recitals and concerts. And then I remember, um, funny enough, being on the old QE two. Uh, with some friends and and they had said, oh, you know, I mean, you should put this show together and, and go in, on the main stage. And I'd never even thought of it at the time because I, you know, hadn't seen anybody else do it at that stage, certainly not, you know, instrumentalists. It was back then, it was definitely a lot of variety acts and things like that. Um, didn't know if it would really work. I uh, was definitely very focused on on my classical career and, and, you know, striving to follow the orchestral path and things like that. And then, um, yeah, they just they kind of encouraged me to do it and I started looking into it. And um, then a couple of friends introduced me to their to their agents and I had a chat with them. And then I just had one in particular, uh, my agent, Jonathan Blackburn, um, who was incredibly supportive um, and he saw the potential of it and encouraged me to do it. And so I met with him. I remember I met with him at his home. He just kind of started his agency in the UK as he's back in 2001. And uh, we said, all right, let's do this. And the next week, 9-11 happened. So, of course, world came to a stop. Uh, sadly, some cruise lines ended up completely bankrupt overnight, didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and so it actually took, but it, it took a few months and I, and I had some time and I had some other work that I was doing. And uh, then finally, by around the December time of the same year, he called me again and said, no, we're, we're back in action. And I could pretty much fill your diary because I think it was more a case of this was something completely new that they didn't have. Um, and so it opened some doors because I me, mean, you know, nowadays, you'll notice nowadays, you know, um, what, one of the things I do as well is that I run my own artist agency. So I now look after as well a lot of artists who are right there at sea. And when they come to me, I mean, they've got to have their, you know, promos and their videos and, and, and all of this stuff just to have a chance of, of getting booked. I mean, back then I had nothing. I mean, I had my CV or resume that I had of my orchestral work. I, there, you know, Jonathan those days was lugging around suitcases full of, of, of VHS cassette tips when he would go to, to any bookers. Um, but he managed to open a few doors for me just on, I think, basically his connections. And I was lucky I went out and, and did a few and the mistakes I made didn't manage to, to hold me back. Um, and they gave me a few more opportunities and I kind of just, you know, rolled from there. But you know, if I was to look back and, and watch anything that I did 25 years ago, I'm sure I'd be just shaking my head and, and telling all my artists to say, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't be doing that, you know. Um, it's just all the silly mistakes and, and because nobody had done it before. So, you know, you've got one conception of what the idea is and then you realize, oh, no, that's that's never going to work. Let's Let's rethink this. So, but 25 years later, we're still here, so. Yeah. So, so what are some of the things that you one should do if one would be considering this kind well, of? Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is uh, obviously you've got um, flexibility is key, you know, flexibility. And, and um, as you know, when you're uh, one of the key things when you're working on a cruise ship is that when you go to do the, the concert or the show, the audience have no idea who you are. 
you know, it's not like we do our concerts online and people buy tickets and they are buying a ticket to come and see Viviana Guzman perform whatever concerto or recital it is. So they're already invested in your in your concert. Uh, on the cruise ships with the people that come, um, you just happen to be the main evening show that's happening that night. And and hopefully it is a as a as a draw for people to come and, and everybody to come and fill the theater. Um, but then you've only got a couple of minutes to, to hold on to them because if, if they don't like what they see or they're not interested, they'll just get up and leave. And it doesn't matter if they're sitting bang smack in the middle of the front row, they will make an announcement of this is rubbish and they're walking off or whatever, because you know maybe it's not for them. So I think anybody who would ever be interested in heading down the cruise ship path is definitely, you know, you know, actually it's down to some basics, even like recite, it's down to your programming, you know, coming up with a, uh, for the ships anyway, two different 45 minute programs that are gonna be appealing to a general audience. You know, these are not your classical aficionados by, by any means there are, but then there are people who are. So you've got to have some sort of structure in your show. You've got to have some sort of programming that will appeal to everybody. Um, and then on top of that, you've got to have a great personality. Uh, it's all about the the talking and the you know the the engagement with the audience. Um, those are the most successful artists out there. You know that was one of the biggest things I had to learn when I first started. I had no problems chatting and, and talking from the stage. Um, I, I kind of very much never liked the even in recitals walking out and just taking that stiff bow and playing my Ada tune or whatever and then launching into whatever it was. I love engaging with the audiences. And that is one thing that can be harder for, for some strictly classical art to, to try and do, especially on the cruise ships. Uh, it is nearly the most important part, uh, which is to have that engagement. And so if, you, if you've got, you know, uh, really interesting programs, you're really good on stage with a personality, um, and you can obviously, you know, put a, a promo or whatever together for that. That that's really where to start. Excellent advice. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you do have to be flexible, and you've got to have yeah the patter on stage is key, and you've got to have a flexible or a variety of programming. It can't be, you know, the Ebert Concerto or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or if you're gonna do Ebert, couch it between some pop things, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's very similar. I mean, I, you know, when I first left college, I remember doing a ton, you know, maybe 100, 150 of these uh, like music club concerts around the United Kingdom. Well, and I did me, this. I did the same around the US. Okay, so, so to me, yeah, to me, it's very, similar in theory because even when you went to the music club you know i i want to do prokofiev sonata and then i'll follow it up with Berio sequenza and then i'll do takamitsu voice and there's no way you're going to get away with that so uh, within the confines of that where you had to come up with you know really innovative programming and, and fun programming that they would enjoy uh, and not scare them away too much i did program takamitsu voice but i put that in between probably some Mozart and, and something else. So, and it's because just in my mind, it's all about setting it up, how you set it up, where you place it. I mean, there's a whole science to the structure uh, of, of a recital, the structure of a show, exactly where to place things to get maximum impact and engagement for people. And so I really just took that theory uh, and then applied it obviously to the to the cruise ship shows. And it's, I think, even more intricate when it gets to there because then it really does get into, 
you're maybe doing 10 or 12 different pieces and then it's the the beats between each of these and and you, you know i learned an awful lot about crafting a, uh the art form of crafting a show uh and that if i was doing classical concerts now i would probably bring an element of that back to it because it, it's really fascinating how that keeps the audience engaged it does it's so true yeah. yeah, and the audience can connect more when they it's a piece that they've heard as well, rather something that they've never heard before. Oh, and how many times, at least it happens to me all the time, oh, it was a flute, I wasn't gonna come, but now I'm buying your CD. <laughs> <laughs> all the time, all the time. I, know, I feel like- what? Those are the comments I love. You know, I, I love the, the, the ones that said, and for honest to say, oh, we sat in the back row because we didn't think we didn't we were going to like it. <laughs> but, you know, we loved it and, and they stood in line and, and they wanted to come and say hi. And I mean, that's, if I've converted somebody like that or had an impact on, on someone like that, that's great because in my mind, hopefully the next time they see uh, a flute concert somewhere else, they will go and, and support them too and not be afraid of, of going along. Not your grandma's recital for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that's interesting that I've never done is I've never seen your show and that's, I would love to see your show. Like I'd love to see St uh, Stephen Clark's show as well, you know, yeah. just to see I mean, what- that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? We don't get, be it us or, or a lot of our fellow entertainers, we, we don't get to see them because the only way you can see them is if you actually take a cruise on the ship. And, and naturally because of the way the Booker programs the cruises, they're, they're not gonna have the same people on board. They're gonna have a variety of entertainment. But I have to say, I think, um, you know, one of the things coming out of COVID is, and one of the things I've loved is seeing the creativity of people and uh, how they've pivoted in this time. Um, you know, you've been a great example of that with what you've been doing with all your amazing interviews, but you know, other people have gone online with some of their shows, um, you know, or collaborations that we've all done together. And I think that even after uh, when the world does, you know, get back to whatever normal is going to be when we resume, I think this hybrid of, of online type shows is gonna stay. And I think that is, you know, potentially a way to see each other's show. You know, I developed a show that was, I took the pieces that I, I performed, I would perform in the show on the ship, and I got everybody to collaborate together. Uh, and I have that as a virtual show. So if somebody wants that, we can do that. I will be on live like this and I will do the chat and the patter, but obviously I can't have a band in my, in my room here. So we will just cut then to the, the pre-recorded collaboration videos, uh, which are all of us playing live, but obviously we've, we've put that together for that. So I think that'll be one way. Um, and I think also it's gonna increase our audiences. Um, you know, the virtual world out there, um, I actually found it was uh, at an event recently uh, it was a huge uh, Tony Robbins event and, you know, talk about someone who's pivoted where he went from doing, you know, live venues and, and live uh, arenas with maybe 10,000 people where he took his entire live experience and made it virtual. And the one I was helping out with a few weeks ago, he had over 55,000 people from around the room, uh, from around the world in one Zoom call you know, all of those people, so they developed the technology, but all of these people got to experience what he was doing 
only because of, of this year and what has happened because he's went virtual. And I think there's going to be, it's an opportunity for anyone with an entrepreneurial spirit, musicians out there, flute players, whoever's listening. Uh, and I know I've got some of my own artists are, are listening who are already doing this. Um, is that, you know, when all those people come and see us on the cruise ships and then they want to hear us again, you know, you can do, we can go online like this and we can do these virtual chats or virtual performances so that somebody in Tokyo who can't get on a cruise ship or can't leave or could never travel, they can tune in and watch us perform. The The opportunities right now are incredible. And I know uh, one of the interviews he did with Paul Eamon Davies recently, uh, you know, he was saying as well, you know, just the technology is gradually starting to catch up that allow us to do these live performances that reach so many more people than we ever possibly could. In the past, we just thought it was CDs. You know, we put our CD out there and, you know, I look at my iTunes account, I'm like, how on earth did somebody in Pakistan discover my CD? But somehow they did. And it's the same with shows. We've got an amazing band here in Las Vegas called Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns, and who did a regular Monday night show here in Vegas. Of course, they, got, they had to stop doing that. They pivoted. They do the show, they invest in the technology and they stream it live from the same venue every, uh, don't say every Monday, I guess every two, uh, two weeks now. But the opportunities are out there. And, and, you know, as in one sense, we've got all these distractions with all our technology and our Instagrams and our Facebooks and all of this these days. But at the same time, the opportunities are more than there have ever been for any young musician that's coming up now. That's, that's wonderful to hear. And it's so Sorry. true. It's so Sorry, true. I'll shut up. No, <laughs> I keep talking. <laughs> what I was know. the question? How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. No, it, it is so true that it is more than ever. There are so many possibilities. So, you know, incorporating from internet. Uh, I mean, the the mind is our only barrier. I mean, if you think that there's a limit, then there will be. But if you think beyond that limit. It, you can attain it. Yeah, I mean, it's not that long ago when you think about it. I mean, I can't remember the exact year, but it's only, is it, it's not even 15 years ago, right? When the, even the first iPhone came out, we didn't know these things existed. Now they're joined to our hips. You know, where are we going to be in another 10 years? 10, 15 years are going to look back and think that, you know, the iPhone 11 or 12 or whatever you used to say, it was, oh, no, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get that. It's a piece of ancient crap. Mm -hmm. Or even in just a year. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way they've, they've trained us, right? They've trained mm -hmm. us. Oh, you don't want the 12, get the 13. You don't want the 13, get the 14. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who well, would have thought about it? Can you imagine telling telling your parents, you know, uh, hey, I'm going to spend $1,000 on the phone? Even <laughs> when it was 500, I thought it was too much. <laughs> right? Yeah. I know, but it gives us these amazing opportunities. Maybe we'll be holograms, Viviana. Maybe that's the future. Well, we won't even travel anymore to, to which will be sad, you know, to let's say the cruise ship, they'll, they'll hire our hologram instead to appear on stage. That would be, yeah. I mean, we can do that now, you know, some people do yeah. pro pro uh, perform with holograms. Yeah. Oh, you'll, you'll I, stand, you know, I'll stand here in my room behind me and I'll perform right here and somehow it'll be projected onto the stage of whatever the ship is, you know, in Tahiti or something like that. But then you get to miss out and go into Tahiti. So I don't want to I know that. that's, that's half the fun. <laughs> yeah. oh, what, what is it? I know that when I was studying, I came to the conclusion, even though I was, I was 
manicured to play in an orchestra. I knew I didn't want to play in an orchestra because I wanted to travel. I don't know if you felt something similar. And what is it about traveling that you love so much? I, it's the experience of just meeting so many different people, experiencing the different cultures, um, you know, realizing the, how much bigger the world is out there apart from your own little circle, appreciating how lucky you are sometimes you know when when we sit and we complain that you know my iphone 12 isn't working and uh you know you realize that somewhere else somebody doesn't have something as simple as water or clean water you know the back in you know hundreds of years ago the the you know young gents of the day were sent off on the grand tour to go and become educated and and you know they would come back a few years later and and that's how they were you know accepted back into society and um, to me, just travel is the greatest form of education you could possibly have. I think you learn more from traveling the world than you will ever do in any classroom. Not putting down what happens in the classroom, but it, it's like anything. It's, you know, you learn to drive a car, but it's only when the day when you're actually out there on your own in that car that you, you actually learn how to drive it, not when somebody's there instructing you. Uh, and to it. me, yeah, traveling the world and going and experiencing where, wherever you might be and experiencing those cultures and meeting those people. And it just, it broadens your mind. And, and that's what I'm addicted to. And I've been addicted to that since I've been a kid. We were very, very fortunate. Um, our parents took us, uh, you know, abroad uh, to the U.S., funny enough. And New York was one of the first places. But that experience alone um, just stuck in my mind. And, and I've had the bug ever since. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and you know, one day if if I do, you know, if we have our own family one day, that I think will be something will be very much in uh, my mind. I want to do the same. I want to take them to wherever and, and experience, you know, again, all the same things I had the, the privilege of doing. My husband is an avid reader and he 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 knows the details through his books about or he'll he'll get books on places where I go. So he travels with me, but, you know, by reading about it. And it's so interesting because he'll tell me little things. And I'm like, oh, yes, I, I identify with the things that he's read. And so we kind of understand each other that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, I mean, how great if you are studying Roman history to go to Rome and to see the stand in the place where, you know, what you're reading about actually took place and happened. It, it gives you a whole different perspective. No, that is the best. That Eating is. pizza in Naples is by far the best place to do it. You know, it's uh, the home of it or, or whatever. So. Cappuccino, gelato, okay. <laughs> spaghetti. <laughs> it's all delicious over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and our, our you know, junior as well, getting to hear local music, getting to hear <sighs> local concerts, you know, the, the folkloric experiences and, and um, I know with Ariana, you were talking the other day as well, you know, just really experiencing that local culture in that uh, particular area is, is a whole different thing. Um, or that's my, know, going, that's one of my hobbies is going and I look for the local musicians, flutists, whoever, that's what yeah. I've always done. I've always yeah. dancers. Cause I love that. Mm -hmm. 
um, or, or as I said, even going to hear the the local orchestra, you know, how great, you know, what I remember um, when the, the Berlin Philharmonic, for, or the Berlin Philharmonic, for example, when they built their digital concert hall, I, I know one of the early concerns was that they were afraid that nobody would come to a live concert anymore. Why would we when we can just watch it on our TV? But in many ways, I think it's enhanced everybody's desire to go and hear them live because now they can, okay, well, that was great. You know, and so to be able to go to Berlin and step into the Philharmonic Hall and, and listen to that great orchestra or the New York Philharmonic or whoever in Santiago or whoever else in Sydney, um, you know, is, is a, in some ways a life changing experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Gary, it's been such a, a, a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, we have so many paths in common. <laughs> Uh, we're living like a parallel lives here, yeah. uh, I, and I and it's the closest thing to being a secret agent, you know, James Bond. <laughs> you know, I, oh yeah, I've got my like three passports here or whatever. And my wife thinks I'm Jason Bourne. You know, this is like where where are you going? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I I get. It. I know. I'm the same. Um, before we close, do you have any parting thoughts or advice for young flutists for us? Um. Oh my God. You know, I would say uh, one, one of the things, if, you asked this question, Ariana, about, you know, what would you say to yourself if you went back? And, and I thought about that and I said, like, if I was giving myself advice back in, in the day, I would say it'd be, uh, to me, it'd be to have patience because I was very impatient. I wanted everything now. I wanted to go from one to 10 without going through two, three, four, five, six, seven. You know, uh, to understand you can go through that quicker, but you know, I always wanted to jump. I just wanted to get to the next thing, be it a concert, be it a competition, be it whatever. And, and sometimes not really being prepared or having prepared properly for that. So I would say, you know, um, know your dreams, know what you want. You know, I think it's because if you do want to have that orchestral career, that is a very different set of paths and things you must put in motion um, than if you're wanting to be, uh, I don't know, a, a, a great teacher, for example. You know there are different skills and and, a, and so i think it's great to have an idea of what it is that you want even at a young age so you know what step to take to eventually get there it's going to take a while but so i think having the patience and you know harder than ever today with all the distractions but just you know focus on what it is you want and, and follow that dream and follow that path and and sometimes be flexible because you never know where that path will take you i didn't know about this cruise ship industry i didn't know about this whole side of the the musical world and you know it's been an incredible journey so i think it's also being open to that flexibility uh to explore potentially other paths that people haven't taken absolutely i had no idea either i just knew i wanted to travel and when i yeah. heard about the cruise ship possibility i was like oh you get to travel okay sign right? me up <laughs> <laughs> you know? And oh my goodness, it's been uh, fabulous. We've been doing it for 25 years now. It's, it's nuts. It's gone by like that. I know. I can, I can still remember the first cruise I set foot on. I can still remember nearly missing the ship the very first day because I didn't understand that by getting back on times and things like this and, and the cruise director screaming at me and I thought I was being fired. Um, again, a mistake I teach everybody not to do now. Um, but yeah it's it's gone by in a heartbeat and uh the most phenomenal phenomenal experience has been and as a result you know i've got to meet my wife claudia you know you talk about buenos aires we met in buenos aires at a tango show 
you know, so it's uh, without all of that and without this path, I wouldn't be where I am today. And, I'm, and so I feel very blessed for that. Yes, it's absolutely, absolutely a very privileged way of taking the flute uh, around the world. Mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah, super. And, and I look forward to getting back and doing it very soon. Yes, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was another thing we had spoken about, how we miss performing so much. Yeah. I, do, I miss that live audience. I, I miss being able to, to be on stage. It's been a year and a half now since I've, because I had taken four months off, uh, funny enough to get my green card. Uh, before COVID happened. So just as I was getting back, uh, COVID hit. So yeah, November 8th, 2019 was the last time I was on stage. And um, I you know, currently don't know when the next time will be, but we hope that we'll see some ships back this year. Um, and when they do, I know there's no shortage of uh, people that want to go and experience that. There's no shortage of people that want to, to cruise. So uh, hopefully we'll be back. I. I guess I just need to figure out how I play it with a mask on. I'm not quite sure about that one yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, there are ways. There's that one contraption thing. Yeah, I, I don't have. think I, I don't think I'll need to worry about that. But um, yeah, no, I look forward to doing that. And and you know, I hopefully will will bump into each other. Hopefully, maybe in a port somewhere, or when I'm back up in airport San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, right. I funny enough, the first time I quit very quickly. The first time I met Stephen Clark uh, was actually in an airport. We both we both walked into the exact same uh, American Express lounge in Miami Airport, and you know, I I heard about him. We you know swapped messages, but never met. So you just never know who's who's sitting beside you or who gets on the plane next to you and that's part of the fun but for our friends who are tuning in today thank you so much and, and hopefully we'll see you out there or come check us out online absolutely so if they were going to check you out online what's your website uh just my name so garyarbuthnot.com and then that will take you to all the other social medias and, and all of that so come say hi it'd be great to meet everyone yep my battery is almost out, so that's why I gotta go. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me, Gary. It's been wonderful to see you and catching up. Good. My pleasure. Lots of love to you and everybody out there. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Flute View podcast. Please give us a rating and leave a comment. The Flute View is sponsored by Flute World. Haynes Flutes, FluteHoot.com, and the University of California, Santa Cruz, where I teach. Please remember to subscribe for only $12.99 a year at TheFluteView.com.